I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome in to the It's Utah World podcast. Tom Hackett, Steve Bartle with you as always, as we are every week. We, uh, we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. We hope we can provide uh, some sort of, so, so, some sort of uh, re- release, some sort of escape for everybody out there dealing with whatever you may be dealing with on a daily and weekly basis. Um, Netweight Subaru is our sponsor. You've heard, of, you've heard about us talk about them. A ton. Um, they're really, really cool people, uh, and this podcast is um, is really put on because of them. Quite frankly, so uh, if you're in the in the mood for a car, if you need a new car, or um, or you just want to go check out cars, Nateway Subaru is your destination. They strive, Steve. They've reached out to me. They want me to harp on the fact that the low pressure buying experience that you get at Nate Wade Subaru is second to none. It's unique. You won't get it anywhere else. You know, you go to a car dealership and you kind of, you don't really want to be there because you don't want to deal with those slippery car salesmen. I get it. You know, I've experienced it. I'm sure you have and all of our listeners have, have been there, but, but I'm just telling you, Nate Wade Subaru, you will not have that experience. We've talked about the popcorn machine, the soda fridge, as well as many other, oh. uh, ooh, little, nuances they have but when it comes to buying a car i'm telling you it's no hassle no pressure low low key as mellow as it could possibly be if you don't want to buy a car and you let them know they will let you go there's no bargaining here there's there's no slippery car salesmen's down there so 1207 south main street in salt lake city that's nate wait super and they're the oldest car dealership subaru car dealership in north america which is quite remarkable they celebrated 50 years uh, in business last year and uh, there's a reason they've been in business that long it's i guess kind of the best selling point there is but regardless steve utah football is uh, the name of this podcast we'll talk about it we'll touch base on it hey you know what we'll get things started off to a good note or on a good note i should say we are inside of three months to the Woo-hoo! Utah BYU, Steve. Inside, can you believe it? No, no. It's all you know, and you know, with everything going on, you know, with COVID nineteen and and everything, it it sounds like you know we are trending the right way in terms of there being football. You know, this this fall, which is great. I think. I think in a lot of ways, you know, sports are starting to come back. The NBA announced that they're they're coming back. It's official that they're coming back, and so uh, I think, uh, man, it's exciting. Football is is still still coming, which is great. We're, we don't have to worry about losing the season or anything like that. I mean, at least right now, at least 
you know, how things look right now, um, which is great. Fantastic. Great news. Uh, and so it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how things go over the next couple of months as Utah football players start to, to trickle back into the program and, and how they, they work through all of that. So uh, exciting, you know, that we're, we're getting closer and closer to that day. It is, um, it is very much exciting. You're not wrong. Um, and, and I think most people that listen to this podcast, I'm, I'm just assuming, um, they're obviously avid Utah fans, but I, but I imagine they're just sports fans in general. And, yeah. you know, may, maybe some of them are uh, just as big a Utah fan as they are Utah Jazz fan. Maybe they're into Real Salt Lake. Maybe they love the game of golf. Like, regardless, I think the start, the first half, if you will, of 2020 has been dire. You know, it's oh. been rough. Um, I, I'm hoping, I, I really am, and I'm optimistic that the second half of 2020, Steve, will be great because the fall, towards the end of summer, going into fall, the sporting calendar will erupt and it'll Ooh. give people some sort of release from the, the, the dark reality of kind of what the world is facing with the social injustice that's occurring, all the protests that I imagine won't be stopping anytime soon, or at least I hope they don't, as long as they're in a peaceful manner, I should add, as well as the, uh, of course, COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, there's just, there's a ton going on. I think the second half of 2020, Steve, will be remarkable. And hey, you confessed something to me prior to us hitting record regarding the game of golf. You've caught the bug? Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've definitely caught the bug, the fever, the golf fever. Um, I have, you know, I I just bought new irons. Not new, they're, they're you know they're a couple years old, but they're brand new, tailor made rocket blade irons. And man, well, you went with the blade irons. I yeah yeah I did. wow sweet. yeah 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 I, I I did and you know so I bought those on Monday and and I've been you know on the golf course every day this week. Man, it's it's addicting and it's it's fun. So like you hit, you hit the, the good shot. Right. And, and then you, you, you chunk one, you top another one, but then you hit another good one. And then you, you follow that up with another good one. It's like, man, I'm getting, I'm getting where I want to be. And, and then you, you top another one. You're just like chucking irons and stuff. And it's, I, I'm just, I, I haven't chucked a club yet, but I'm sure I'll, uh, I'll do that at some point this summer. Oh, when you stick one within a foot, you know, from <laughs> yeah. 170, you can throw that thing a mile for all I care. Now, um, golf is so fascinating. We don't need to touch uh, on it for too much longer. But what I realized post-football career was I downloaded the, and maybe you've done this, maybe you're not quite there yet, but I downloaded the USGA Handicap app. And it's like Ooh. 25, 30 bucks. It's really cheap for an annual, I guess, pass. And, and then what you do is you, you, you kind of get yourself a handicap, right? And so what I realized post-football was that, was that that was kind of my new way of competing. And I wasn't necessarily competing against a punt returner like I was used to in front of 45, 50, however many thousand screaming fans. I was competing against myself, and, and it was it was so much fun to me because, you know, as a competitor, you know, we're all competitors in some way, shape or form. And for me, it was football mm -hmm. and punting and, and trying to beat and help my team win by, by not allowing the punt return. 
to to occur. And when that left me, I was kind of, I guess, I was kind of struggling to find some sort of competition. And golf was my outlet. And then, as mm-hmm. you said, you'll hit a good shot, and then you'll hit a bad shot, and then you'll hit a good shot. But whether you're hitting balls at the range or you're out there on the links actually scoring and playing, there's generally like one shot that you will, it's like, it's like you lie in bed that night and it's in slow motion on repeat in your head. Like it, it's just like, wow, not only did that feel really good, it looked yeah. even better. And then you're in yeah. trouble because, because then you want to go play more and then yeah. you hit better shots and then you score better. It's, I am excited for you. I'm, I am a tad <laughs> nervous, though, Steve. Me too. Because, you know, <laughs> Me I, too. I hope Kendra loves golf. <laughs> because if she doesn't, she... There, might be some, there might be some conversations that need to take place. <laughs> My wife is great. She lets me play golf. I, I don't know if she like, knows that I need it or, or what the deal is. But, but she's been great to me. So regardless, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you, man. It's it's a big moment for me. I uh, you know I feel like I'm finally an adult that's embraced right. golf. You know, it's it's a big deal. You know, and and similar to you, I had basketball growing up. That was that was where I got all of my competitive juices out. And you know, once you once you hit 27 and, and you roll your ankle and and you you put on 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, you know, all of a sudden it's like, damn, I can't play basketball like I used to. Mm. Uh, you know, you got to find other avenues. Uh, to to get those competitive juices, and you know now here I am, uh, finally finding golf and uh, and getting out the uh, getting out the competitive wiggles. We'll say, <laughs> yeah, no, I um I, I get it, and I'm again happy for you and yes. uh, excited for the journey that you're about to embark on. And uh, nonetheless, I will say to, to people listening as well, you know, not that I'm trying to pitch the game of golf to them because the game of golf will find you. You generally will not find golf. But um, it's a great little business networking uh, skill to have. Um, when you're in the business world and you're, you're trying to get deals done, whatever it may be, whether it be on a sales um, perspective or, or something, something other than that, if you can play golf and, and, and whoever you're trying to pitch to or, or whoever's trying to pitch to you can also like, – just such a great way to get out there, have it be uh, pretty low-key, mellow fun, and, and just hit a few balls. I mean, so many positives that come out of the game of golf, regardless. Um, inside, of three, inside of three months, Utah-BYU. Um, and we'll start there. Uh, and I think I've said this on the podcast before. Um, and I'll say it again because I think, I think it warrants a conversation, Steve. Uh, before we get into some of the heavier stuff. But I, as, I, as I constantly and continue to think about the Utah-BYU game, September 3rd, assuming it's played on September 3rd, of course, I, I can't help but just think about the, the timing of the game and everything that kind of surrounds it. And, and I'm pretty adamant, and I don't know this for sure, but if BYU were going to beat Utah, Steve, th- to me... This is the year. And, and I'm not saying they're going to. I, I still think Utah will be favored, and I think Utah will eventually win. But, but if, you, if BYU has any chance at beating the Utes, I, I just don't know if they're going to get a better opportunity 
than they will now. And, and there are a few reasons behind that. You, you have to look at the kind of the rise that Utah's taken since joining the Pac-12. They've just gotten better and better and better and better. And I imagine that rise is going to continue. Now, this year in 2020 will be interesting because I think what will happen for Utah is they'll continue to climb, they'll continue to get better, or they'll kind of plateau for a year. And they might kind of, and maybe even, you know, there's a good, there's a good chance, right? They, they might even take a small little dip um, just because of the talent they lost. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to try and aggravate Utah fans. I'm not saying this to, to, to try and come across the, that that be that Utah's not going to be that good this year. I just I just think they lost so much talent. There's so many question marks. You put in the pandemic, the fact that they haven't had spring ball, the fact that they haven't had uh, really any team organized activities for however many months now. And by the way, those those months where you can spend time with the teammates in the locker room, let alone in the gym or out there on the practice field, throwing and catching, kicking and 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 whatnot. It's just invaluable because it creates chemistry. And especially with a younger team, which is what Utah um, is, it's going to be certainly challenging for Carl Winningham, his staff, and the entire playing group to find that within three months. If the pandemic had have hit last year, this time last year, Utah, Utah would be in a much better place. I feel, anyway, I think... I just think as a young team, they really need all the time together as they can get. They've, they haven't had that uh, because of COVID-19. Um, and, and that does concern me a tad. So I will say, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, that if BYU is going to beat Utah, I think 2020 is the year, Steve. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that this is their best opportunity, at least over in the last couple of years, the last few years, uh, this is their best opportunity based on what they return in their program and what Utah loses in their program. Uh, they, they certainly have, uh, they've, I think, you know, with Zach Wilson returning, uh, you know, that's, that's a solid starting piece. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think he's that great, but he's got an ability to, you know, buy time in the pocket and, and make some plays like we've seen, you know, like we saw last or two years ago. Uh, you know, up at Rice Eccles Stadium, he can he can do some things, and and so, you know, they've got a couple other talented pieces, you know, at the skill positions. But I still think that Utah's defense, while they're inexperienced and youthful, and and you know they haven't been through much playing time, I still think that they're talented enough to match up with those BYU skill players just fine. Uh, the 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 big thing for me is in the trenches for BYU. They've they've got a, a solid offensive line that returns the majority of their guys, whereas Utah, they have to replace three of four starters. And so I think if you're looking for a, a clear, maybe not a clear cut advantage, just because of Utah's tradition and their ability to reload at, at defensive line, I still think that you have to look at that as a favorable matchup for BYU because of what they return, you know, on the offensive line. And so that's where I'm most concerned, which is crazy to say because Utah has been so good in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball. But I do think that you have to give some credit to BYU and with what they return uh, in, in the trenches. On, you know, with BYU's defense on the defense side of the ball for BYU, I think Utah, I think they've, they've got advantages all over the place. You know, we're talking about the skill players at Utah. They return 
just about everybody, Britton Covey is going to be healthy again, and he's going to look to, to put on a, a tremendous performance against the BYU Cougars like he always does. Uh, you've got Brent Keithy, a tremendous talent at tight end, who's kind of a unique um, matchup that I don't think BYU has a player that can, you know, match up with, with him. And so I think, you know, Utah offensively, I think that they've got a lot of things, a lot of ways that they can exploit the BYU Cougars. The, obviously the, the, the issue um, and what it all revolves around is the quarterback situation. As long as they have a quarterback that can, you know, make the right decisions and get the ball out and get the ball to these skilled players, I think Utah is going to be just fine on offense. Um, you know, I trust Morgan Scally and the defensive side of the and the defensive staff to get their guys ready to go uh, for BYU. You know, this is a game that motivates the hell out of them. And you know, I think despite you know what looks to be their best opportunity, I th- I still think you know Utah is going to be favored, and I think that they still win just because of the talent disparity between the two programs, despite the inexperience. Yeah, no, I, and as I try and kind of predict where BYU is more likely to have the success, uh, specifically offensively, I, I, you know, unless they start recruiting differently and, and unless they can start, you know, not necessarily matching what Utah has been able to do, but, but at least just get a little closer. You know, I, I don't think Zach Wilson's going to beat Utah throw on the football um, not because I don't think Zach Wilson's talented enough to put the ball in places that only his re- receivers can can come down with it I, I just think Utah from a skilled position is is too good they recruit at too high of a level in comparison to BYU so you know true freshman cornerbacks can match up with red shirt gray shirt seniors from BYU you know wide receivers I should say and and can probably shut them down, you know, and 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 that's it's kind of it's kind of sad when you think of think about it like that. But it's just you know we talk about the progression, the rise that Utah's taken since joining the Pac-12. The level of athletes, you know, is yeah. is so much it's superior to what it used to be. And um and so I think um I think they're a one trick pony when it comes to throwing the football. I think Matt Bushman is the only way they can stop him. What Utah's done over the last couple of years is double team him. You know, so you essentially eliminate him from the game, um, and and then and then the other wide receivers aren't aren't good enough to create any right. sort of separation. Um, they're not sharp enough getting in and out, in and out of cuts. So I, I think if BYU is going to win, they're going to control the line of scrimmage. Right, they've got a pretty good offensive line. Uh, Utah, very very inexperienced young defensive line. Although I think they're still very talented. Don't get me wrong, just inexperienced. Uh, the loss of Lecky Foto, John Penasini, Bradley and I, right? The likes of um, the Mika Tafua going to be relied on heavily if, uh, as well as a few other big boys up front. But, but they don't have much playing experience, so there's a big question mark there. And, and look, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I rate Devontae Henry Cole. I, I think he's a talented running back. I thought when, when he got opportunities at Utah, I thought he proved himself in the Pac-12. Um, he didn't get many opportunities, so... Um, so it's, it's kind of tricky to really understand what his ceiling is like, but, but I think he's kind of this dual threat running back that can, can hit, a, hit, hit a gap, he can hit a hole, and, uh, and beat you with his speed on the back end. He's also pretty good catching the football out of the backfield as well. So I, um, I think Devontae Henry Cole basically single-handedly, you know, alongside that offensive line for BYU, be the reason BYU beats Utah. And I know that's, that's, that's kind of 
kind of a crazy thing to say. And here's what's also wild is, is if Devonta Henry Cole had stuck it out at Utah, he wouldn't be getting many reps anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm listening to you say that. I'm like, man, would Morgan Scally really allow Devonta Henry Cole to beat them? And, and that's something, you know, that's going to be fascinating to see. I think DAC is very motivated for this game for obvious reasons. Uh, but I think Utah is going to be equally as motivated to make sure that it's not him that beats them. And, you know, they, and Utah, while they, they do lose guys like Anai, Fotu, and Penasini, they still have guys like Hawati Pututau and Viani Muala and Pita Tonga uh, that have played significant amount of minutes and, and reps and, and, and that kind of thing. So they, they do have and, – and they're seniors. And that's the thing is these guys are mature bodies. They aren't going to be freshmen that haven't been through this kind of stuff. They're seniors, and, and they've been through it uh, for, for multiple seasons now. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be – man, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes down uh, obviously I've, I've always been a big fan of DHC. Um, and, and it's just unfortunate how his career kind of played out because I do think that there's a good amount of talent there, uh, that just wasn't able to find his groove, find a groove at Utah. Um, but I do think that there's talent and I think he's got some ability, but I think if you're Morgan Scally, you know, you're Lewis Powell, Sione Pua and, and, uh, and, and Colton Swan, I, I think it, you're, you're not going to allow DHC to beat you because, you know, of what that would mean for BYU moving forward. I, I just think, you know, the focus is going to be on the run game and, 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 and being dominant in the trenches like it always is. But I think this year it's, it's, it's going to be an important factor for them and kind of a motivating, a motivating factor. I think, um, you know, Tassan Williams last year, I don't think that there was that added motivation like there would be with the DHC coming from Utah going to BYU. I just think it's a different level of motivation. So it'll be fun, man. It's, Again, we're three months away, and, and we can't stop talking about it. It's it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. The fact that it's on its way is is what's most exciting about it. So, um, you know, once these guys get back into the facility and, and working out and kind of getting back into the groove of things, I do think Utah's got some good building blocks that they can build around, particularly Mika, Devin Lloyd, you know, and Clark Phillips. I think those are three really good foundational pieces um, that you can count on this season. Uh, it's just a matter of figuring out the rest of the defense there, Tom. Uh, but, but, uh, but I think those are good pieces. And, and, and when you're looking at the BYU offense, I think they still match up really well with them and, and should be able to, uh, to limit BYU's efficiency in the game. Yeah, no. And, and look, the, the reality is, to kind of put a bow on this, this conversation, Steve, is, um, you know, look, like, like, like for BYU, this is their Super Bowl, and they, were, yeah. they admit to that, and and that's yeah. you know I'm I'm glad they admit to that because it is the truth. And for Utah, don't get me wrong, like a loss to BYU would really really hurt. Um, just their yeah. kind of their national per- perception, um, mm-hmm. but they can still win the Pac-12 by losing to BYU, and so there's still so much more to play for for a Utah perspective and. And any team that wins the Pac-12, you know, the chances are they'll be floating around, kind of a top 10 team in the country. A loss to BYU would be interesting because I'm not entirely sure kind of how much that would hurt um, um, Utah down the, down the road. But because, it, it, you know, it'd be one of those things where let's just say Utah went on a nice little hot streak and, and won a bunch of games in the Pac-12, end up making it to the championship game. 
you know, that there's always going to be that conversation surrounding the opening game of the season. You know, well, they lost to BYU and BYU ended up having an okay year, but weren't great, kind of like how they've been the past decade now. And um, but, but we've seen it in the past. And so hopefully what, what occurs, you know, assuming all of that comes to fruition is, is that the voters, um, the college football playoff committee kind of gives Utah a pass. You know, look at the opening game of the season. There was all this kind of chaos that occurred throughout the off season. Um, we'll, we'll let them pass and, and we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and, and we'll give them a ranking that we think they're actually deserving of and not based on the first game. But anyway, it'll be interesting. It, it, it'll, be, it'll be a fun game. It'll be, it'll, just, yeah. it, it'll, be, it'll be a ton of fun. And yeah. I, I just cannot wait to, uh, to see that. Wherever I may be watching, you know, we, we still don't know if they're going to allow media members. Yeah, there's yeah. a pretty good chance no fans will be in the stadium. And if there are fans, select few uh, season right. ticket holders may be the ones that are fortunate enough to get in there, if they're willing, of course. But, you know, we right. might be watching it from the comfort of our, of our couch, Steve, which I'm not, you know, and, and we haven't talked about this, so maybe we touch on it quickly. How do, how do you feel about, um, about potentially watching games from the comfort of, of, of your couch this year? Are you okay with that? Or do you, are you one of those that just loves to be inside of any stadium watching Utah play? Man, I tell you what, for me personally, I love being there at the stadium. I love the atmosphere. I love you know, seeing the fans go crazy. But this year is going to be drastically different and, and not what we're accustomed to. And so it's going to be – it's going to be, you know, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about it this year. You know, obviously health and safety comes first. Um, and, and I think that's going to be at the forefront of a lot of people's minds is how comfortable are they going to be in exposing themselves to, you know, big crowds like that, which, you know, it's not going to be a, anywhere close to a full stadium. I mean, we're talking 15, 20% of capacity, um, you know, at that is, is what's being talked about. You know, for, for me as a media member, I'm interested to see what kind of, of changes will be made um, for, for us media members. You know, who's going to be granted access? You know, how are they going to do parking? Is there going to be space? How are they, are they going to allow tailgating? Are they going to do that kind of thing? All these things that make game day such a fun atmosphere and such a fun thing to be a part of, all of these things um, are, are up in the air, are questions, uh, you know, that, that – have to be sorted out. It's going to be really fascinating to see how Utah, the Pac-12, and all of college football handles it and moves forward with these uh, with these topics. You know, I, I do think that there are going to be changes, and and I need to be, you know, preparing for the possibility of of watching the games from my couch and not being able to attend the games and 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 that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, a lot has to be sorted out. But I, I you know. The, the main thing here is obviously safe, health and safety first. You know, we are getting football back, but we're still, we need to focus on our health and safety. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens, right? But uh, it, it'll be interesting to say the least. It will be. Hey, we've got a um, little bit of sad news, I guess, to, to touch yeah. on um, regarding, I guess, kind of the first great passing quarterback for Utah football. Lee Grosscup is his name. Um, maybe some of our... Our, our, our listeners aren't all that familiar with Lee. Um, and I guess, you know, there's reason behind that. He, he played for Utah um, in 1957. He actually led the nation in passing yards and touchdowns that year. He was a first-team All-American um, as well. He was taken 10th overall, Steve, 
by the Giants, the New York Giants, uh, and, and spent time playing in the NFL, AFL, and the CFL. But he passed away um, uh, just a few days ago. So we send our condolences here at, at the It's Utah's World podcast to, uh, mm-hmm. to Lee's family, his loved ones, um, and I guess the entire Utah football community. I know Carl Winningham put a little statement out regarding the, the passing of Lee, but um, you know, always sad to hear news uh, regarding kind of legends of, of Utah football, and uh, Lee was certainly one of them. So um, yeah. uh, our hearts go out to his family and loved ones. Yeah, you know, Gross Cup is, is one of those guys, just because of when he played, I, I, don't, I don't know that a lot of people really appreciate just how good he was. You know, he completed nearly 70% of his passes, 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns. And you got to think this is at a time where it was run, 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 pass, you know, that kind of an offense. Um, You know, he finished 10th in the Heisman Trophy voting, you know, in 1957. That's a tremendous accomplishment for any quarterback, let alone a Utah quarterback, especially, you know, back then. So this was, you know, he was a good player, a very talented player and, and, highly thought of player that accomplished a lot at Utah. And so, you know, we, we did lose a great one. He, he went on to do a lot of really good things. Um, but, but gross cup again, um, a big loss for Utah football and for the football community as a whole, uh, just because of what he was able to accomplish, you know, in his life. And so again, like you said, Tom condolences to the family, to friends and to, to all those who, who knew him closely. Uh, as we, as we move, um, into a different conversation, Steve. There's there's a few things we want to we want to touch on uh, the remainder of this podcast surrounding Utah football. Uh, recruiting news is is one of those. Um, and I saw you guys over there at uh, Ute Zone over uh, over at UteZone.com being hard at work as you are as you are you know every day of the week, my friend. Boy, do I wish I had the work ethic you do. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, the the Utes have been making progress from a recruiting standpoint, and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but, but they're, they're now the fourth top team in the Pac-12 when it comes to average recruiting ranking. Do you mind kind of t- touching base on that? What, what is an average recruiting ranking? Yeah, so a big, big jump for Utah because just the day before, they were sitting at 10th, um, but they pick up a, a commitment from Coley Fa'ayu, uh, out of Washington, the offensive lineman out of Washington, and their average recruiting ranking. So you, every recruit has an average rating, right? So we, we call it our composite rating, which compiles all of all of the recruiting rankings from all of the, the recruiting sites like 24-7 Sports, ESPN, uh, Rivals. We compile all of those, and they come out with a composite rating. Um, and so for Peter Costelli, he's considered a four-star and is considered a, a 91.29 type of a rating. So on, it's like on a scale of 101, I think, is the highest rating that you can achieve as a prospect. And 101 rating is basically a can't-miss type prospect. Have there um, ever like been a, a, a 101 ranking? Yeah, yeah, there have. I mean, these are guys, these are our freak high school athletes, like a Jadavion a Clowney or an Adrian Peterson gotcha. or – you know, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback at Clemson, was was rated that, and so yeah, it, they there are can't miss prospects, and so that's kind of the scale that you're looking at. So Utah coming in at at 
87.54 is their average rating. So 87 point, so 0.8754. Basically, that's uh, how we consider, I guess, what we base that on. So not necessarily base it on, but what we project that to be is, you know, we have different ratings, right? And so on our scale of ratings, um, that is that is pretty good. That 87.54 ranks fourth in the Pac-12 currently behind programs like Oregon and USC that just, you know, get the four-star type kids. Uh, Cal is also right there ahead of us. Um, but Utah coming in at fourth is a big, big, uh, is a big time. It's a big, big thing for them just because they only have four commits right now. But to be, to have that average rating where it is, Utah's in the game with a significant amount of, of talented prospects, many of which are four-star kids. And so to already have that rating uh, where it is now, and you still haven't, haven't been able to secure some of the more talented prospects that you're after. That's a pretty big accomplishment for this staff and what they're doing on the recruiting trail, despite all of the the restrictions that they've had to work through, uh, you know, with, with recruiting in a dead period. Um, But, you know, it's a, it's a big time uh, deal for Utah to be where they're at right now, because they still have a lot of opportunity to even improve that number. Yeah, no, there's, um, so I got a few thoughts. One, you know, Cal being third on the list, and I know it's early, right? There's still, there's still a fair bit of time between now and, and signing days come the end of the year and, and, and early 2021. But, but Cal being at number three is, is kind of a, a shock. But, but what it goes to show, and I think you'd agree, Steve, is, is what Justin Wilcox is doing yeah. over there. The pitch he has, um, the sales pitch that is, you know, is, is working. People are buying into his program. Recruits are listening. Um, and look, it, it helps. Cal's one of the, the top public institutions, you know, not only in North America, but in the world when it comes to universities. So from an academic standpoint, parents are always going to be intrigued with uh, a University of California offer. Um, but they haven't been great uh, for some time now in the Pac-12. And so to see that Justin Wilcox is, is making progress and headway in that regard, I think is is good for the league as a whole. Um, and then the other one I, I was going to say is is what fans out there need to realize, um, and, and I don't love, I must admit, Steve, I don't, I don't love the way the rankings are done um, on signing day because what I've noticed on certain websites is, um, and this is kind of, I guess, a little difficult to explain, but so they, 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 they list them in, composite rankings um and my issue with that is like let's say utah only has 10 guys committed but arizona state has 20 guys committed arizona state even if utah's guys are better than arizona states because they've got more players they're going to be ranked higher so i much prefer the the ranking system when it's segregated into kind of each player, regardless of how many players are committed to a specific program, which is why the list that you're talking about regarding the average recruiting ranking, I, I think personally is, is, is a more important list to look at because the other composite list, and, yeah. and, and, and feel free to kind of correct me if I'm wrong or, or add your own um, thoughts on the matter, but, but I just think it's kind of, it doesn't 
paint a great picture on where the program's at. And you also have to remember, like, certain programs also only have certain amount of scholarships based on right. how many seniors they have, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen. Like, like every team is different because they can only offer so many people some years. Right. right? Am I right. wrong? No, no, no. Yeah, I, I think that you've, you've, you make a great point that – you know, the recruiting rank is the team rankings that we're talking about here, right? Yeah. Like when you, at the end of the day, when you're looking at where Utah's ranked, Utah ranked 29th this year, um, you know, that's based in large part to uh, not only the, the quality of recruit, but the quantity of, of recruits that you have in the class. Um, and 24-7 sports has kind of factored that into to how they, they go about ranking their teams. And it's way advanced. It, it the, Basically, the more commits you have, each, each recruit has a certain amount of value to a class. And so the more recruits that you have in a class, that number, that value actually decreases, um, which it's, again, we can look it up. It, I, would, I would be out of my realm trying to explain it here, uh, but, but I'll, uh, I'll have to put together a content piece to explain it better. But, um, but I do think that you're, you're, you're right, that I think average ratings should be factored more than, than the quantity of, of commits because uh, that speaks more to the, the, the actual talent that you're bringing in, right? It, it, who cares about whether you've got 15 kids or 20 kids? That shouldn't be the difference. The, the difference should be how good are those players, right? Because uh, that's, that's going to be the difference on Saturdays. So uh, it's, it's always going to be up for debate how to best go about, you know, rating teams. But I think Utah is at a place where um, – it, it, it really doesn't matter because not only, you know, they can get the quantity because they recruit kids that will, that will play, that will sign immediately. And then they'll recruit kids that will serve missions. So regardless, they're always going to be a program that has more than, you know, 20, 25 kids every year. So they're going to be up there. Um, and now they're starting to get the higher rated kids uh, evidenced by, you know, where they currently are uh, sitting fourth in the PAC 12, uh, Utah is is definitely trending upwards on the recruiting trail in terms of the quality of kid that they're recruiting. You also have to, and the last thing from me on the subject is, you also have to, you know, as a Utah fan, remember just how good the program is at developing. So, right. so you know, there was once a time, not that long ago, Steve, you know, where the star Lotteleles of the world, you know, kind of a, a first-round draft pick as he eventually, eventually um became he, he was like a two-star recruit at a snow goat like nate yeah nate orchard back in the day nate fucker Fua. He, he was like a two-star guy i mean like mm-hmm. you know and they, they they developed these talents into perennial nfl powerhouses yeah. right and so just the thought of utah now starting to scratch the realm of four-star prospects is a really really exciting thought for Utah fans, because if they can continue, can continue, pardon me, their development uh, and the system that they have in place, then, then who knows how good this program can be in X amount of years' time. So, I, um, boy, I'm I'm excited personally as a Utah fan just to to see the Peter Castellis of the world, the yeah. Cam Risings, you know, and so on and so forth, Clark Phillips, you know, those, those sort of athletes, just to see how good they can get. We saw what happened with Jalen Johnson, you know, three years, and then he declared for the NFL draft, was taken by the Bears reasonably early on, and, um, 
and boy, he made some plays for Utah over his time, starting right, right out of the gun as as a true freshman. So, yeah, and, and I'm glad that you brought this up because. I do think it's a point that you have to consider. I don't think that Utah is suddenly going to be a program that brings in, you know, 10, 12, 15 four-star kids, despite what they do on the field. I think that Utah has to recruit a certain type of kid that is willing to buy into that development, right? That That is, is going to buy into it needing maybe three, four years time in order to properly be developed. So I do think that they're – they will improve. They will add more talent to the program and, and they'll be in the game with more four-star kids. But I still think that it takes the right type of kid um, above all else to succeed at Utah. And that's a kid that's willing to buy into going through the process, which you can, you can talk more about what the process actually is going through that process, going through development, being coached hard and, and going through the rigors at Utah football. It's still going to take, um, you know, those types of, of personalities that are willing to go through that because not every four-star kid is willing to go through that. Some four-star kids, you know, want certain promises, want certain things given to them, you know, on a, on a nice little plate. That's not going to happen at Utah. And so that's going to kind of limit the pool of four-star kids that you can bring into the program. But I still think that Utah, that improves what they've done on the field. That improves their chances even with that, well, with those four-star kids. So, Man, it, it's it's a fun time if you're into recruiting, if you're into, you know, the, the really knowing what's going on with the program and, and on the recruiting trail. It's a fun time to be a Ute fan just because of the type of kids that Utah's involved with at the moment. Um, you know, there may not be action. You know, we still are, are looking at Will Lotu, the four-star athlete out of Washington, who's expected to announce on the 21st. But, you know, Utah's in the game with a number of talented kids. It's exciting time to be a Utah fan. Um, and, and I think this is going to be something that, you know, you'll want to follow for, for the next few months. But, um, you know, I think, I think we've talked enough about recruiting here, Tom. <laughs> no, I, I, I think so. Too. I think people have gotten their fix. Um, yeah. We will end kind of this podcast um, briefly discussing kind of a really difficult um, yeah. subject matter, um, but it would be wrong, uh, Steve, for us not to touch on it. Um, right. and, and, you know, like, I guess I will try and be as transparent and, and as honest as, as I possibly can. I know you will as well. The, the bottom line is you and I are both privileged white males that when we leave our home, do not have to worry about what may happen, um, on the public streets. That is, that is not the case for thousands, for millions of black men and women, children, uh, people of color. They, they do not have that luxury, um, which, is, which is incredibly sad. Um, but the, you know, what, the social reform, the conversation, the protests that have been occurring, not only in, in North America, Steve, but around the entire country, uh, sorry, around the entire world, I should say, has been, uh, for the most part, really, really positive. Um, I, I will say that the looting, um, I, I don't... Uh, i, I got to be careful because it's not that I don't... It doesn't matter if I agree with it or not. I guess that's kind of the bottom line, right, is, is I'm not one to judge, I'm not one to talk, because this, this has been a systematic problem, a political problem, 
that's been occurring for centuries, right. really since the existence of time, right? And, right? and we all thought we kind of made some progress not all that long ago, although it seems as though that progress um, has, has kind of backtracked a, a touch. So, um, but, but nonetheless, um, I, I, I really love seeing peaceful protests. I love seeing people having their voices heard. I love, pe- I love seeing people standing for what is right. Um, and I love people putting the police force, the government, and anybody else in power, you know, on notice, essentially, right. by saying that what, what, is, what has been happening is wrong. Uh, we need to change. And, and I think uh, that it is a historic. I don't think I know the time right now that we live in is such a historic time in uh, in the world that that hopefully positive change can come from it i know steve a lot of utah football players have been pretty outspoken as they should be on on the subject matter of of racism um, and police brutality um and i know i know coach whittingham released a statement earlier this week saying that he he wants his players to to speak about it he wants his players to be put in the public eye, to let their emotions, let their feelings, let their voice be heard because it's important. And what Utah football has that not many other, that not many other programs can claim, and I know from firsthand experience, Steve, is there is such a, di- such a diverse locker room every right. single year. You know, you've got roughly you know, a third Caucasian student-athletes, a third African-American, and a third Polynesian, give or take. You know, every year there's kind of a a split up in that regard. Now, some years there might be more African-American student-athletes than Polynesians, whatever. It's roughly about a third each. And and the locker room works. And and, and there are always going to be altercations, right, between between two white men or a Polynesian and an African, there's always going to, when you spend that much time with 120 people, like it's inevitable. It's always going to happen. But the bottom line is like any argument that I ever saw in the Utah football locker room take place, any argument, whether it was in the locker room, on the practice field, out at, you know, living houses, wherever people hung out outside of the football, like they always got along shortly after. Like I remember seeing like fist fights occur on the practice field which which by the way you know if i were to share my thought on that i think it's really stupid because you're wearing a helmet (laughs) like you're gonna break your hand you know but but anyway that's a a subject matter for another time like i remember seeing a fist fight between two individuals on the on the on the practice field and within half an hour they were sitting at the same dinner table eating their dinner talking literally as if nothing had happened and that's just the way Utah football has, has, has gone about their business. It's the environment Carl Whittingham and his staff have created. And, uh, and so long story short, um, I guess from my little speech here, I'll, I'll say that some of the best people, some of the best people on this earth that I've ever met have been from people of color, whether they're Polynesian, African-American, Asian, it like it doesn't matter. They are so good, and it's so hard for me to try and understand and comprehend how there were there are people out there that judge another person based on their color of skin. Like that to me, that concept is like 
so crazy. I can't even, right. it just doesn't make sense to me. But anywho, right. I, I know you've got a few things you'd love to say on the matter. I also know, Steve, that, that you, you've been speaking to TJ Green down there in Arizona. So I'll, let, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is, this is a, a big moment in, you know, not only the, the United States, but across the country. Now you're seeing peaceful protests. Um, you know, it, it's unfortunate that some of these protests turn into, you know, what they are with riots and, and that kind of thing. I, I, I think for those that want change and, and truly want to see reform and that kind of thing, I, I truly believe that they do not want violence and, and that they do not want riots. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, some people feel the need to to do those things. And so, you know, like you stated, not one to judge um, but, you know, I think it's, it speaks to the frustration um, of, of people that have been, you know, hammering home the need for change. And, and we're at a point now where we, we do need change. We do need to, to look at things on a much greater scope and, and seeing how we can adjust what we do on a day-to-day basis, you know, as individuals, as a society, as a community you know, what can we do to really make a difference? And so, you know, with, with the protest starting on, on Friday or Saturday, I can't remember. I remember this was an experience I had, you know, with, with everything going on. I remember I retweeted something and, uh, and I noticed uh, a, a black Twitter, a black person uh, follow, liked the, liked the tweet, followed me. And I, I quickly followed back, you know, and, and was just curious, uh, you know, and so he, he actually shot me a message and, and just said, bro, I'm a big fan of yours. Like I love listening to you anytime you're on the radio and, and, and love, you know, just the work that you do. And it, it struck me, man. Like it hit me, like even at a time like this, like that we can still express appreciation for another. And so that kind of hit me. And so I've taken it upon, I took it upon myself from that moment to, to talk to people in our community, to, to message people. And, and it started with TJ Green. And I just said, hey, man, like, look, I'm glad that you're a part of our community, that you're part of Utah football, and that you are doing what you're doing because it, it represents what we need and what we want as a community. And, and, you know, I just told him again that I was grateful that he was here at Utah and part of our community. And, and I've done that with a handful of other people, including, you know, guys like Solomon Enos, Nick Ford, um, Coach Holiday, just expressing my appreciation for them that they're here in Utah. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's my way of, of, you know, saying, Hey, look, man, like I'm, I'm with you. And, and, and I think we've all been active as, as we can and as we feel comfortable. And that's all that matters is that, you know, we, we are trying and, and we're, listening. I think that's the key of it all is that we do need to listen. We do need to take a look at what we can do as individuals to promote change. And I think that's the key here. And it's, it's been so wonderful to see, you know, not only coach Whittingham, not only, you know, coach Scally, but all of the coaches, Sharif Shaw had a tremendously powerful tweet, you know, that talked about the, the situation that we find ourselves in with, with the murder of George Floyd you know, that was powerful. And then you see the statements from the other athletic programs, the basketball program, the women's basketball program. Um, and, 
it makes me proud to see that response from Utah athletics, that they are so supportive of their athletes and what they're doing. You know, coach Whittingham talked about wanting his players to, to allow their personalities to shine through, to, to do what they please. And TJ green has been one of the most active players in, 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 these protests and, and if you follow him on Twitter uh, you've you've noticed that that he's been very active and it's something that he is passionate about that he you know he does want change and, and to see that from him and to see the response from other Utah football players uh, has been amazing to see and these guys you know they're fighting for a good cause um, and I think that we all just need to take some time to really look ourselves in the mirror and see what can we do to to help and to promote change in our community it doesn't have to be a drastic change it doesn't have to be a you know big you know you don't have to if if you're not comfortable going out and and joining the protest you know just be a positive member of your community and and talk to those of a different color talk to them uh and, and just say hey like how are you doing you know like just little things like that we need to start breaking down these barriers um, and really starting to promote, you know, just health and and welcomeness within our communities, and and just you know that's that's really what we need. And so it's been amazing to see, you know, the Utah Athletics program doing what they're doing, and, and just everybody involved with it. Even those on the other side of of the, the conversation, the police. I know a lot of members of of the military that you know are of different opinions, but it's important to respect them at the same time. Um, and so you know, we just need. You know, I think we're at a difficult time right now, obviously, uh, but we all need to do what we can to to help and promote, you know, positivity and, and change in our lives. I think also, Steve, the conversation comes across as a difficult one. And I understand, you know, like it, I understand why people think that, that it's that it's difficult and challenging. But yeah. the, the bottom line is it really isn't that it, it's not that it's not that hard to understand, right? Like, I think, or at least I hope, that every single individual that listens to this podcast agrees that racism is wrong, racism right. racism is bad, and if if you believe in that, and yeah, then this conversation is easy. You know, the conversation is simple. Right. Black, black lives matter, and and they need to be treated as if they matter. And they shouldn't have to leave their home with the worry and concern that they may get pulled over by a police officer. They may be judged differently in the supermarket. You know, they, they should be able to live their life just like white privilege people can can live. So, so that, that that's kind of my bottom line is is it's it's not that hard of a conversation. You know, it's sensitive, and I understand that. You know. I, very sensitive. There's a lot of emotion that comes with the conversation uh, of this magnitude. But at the end of the day, you know, racism is wrong. It's bad. Nobody should have to deal with it. And the fact that we're still, you know, as a society, as a country, as a as a as a world, you know, as we're still trying to fight for 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 justice, it, it's it's kind of mind boggling. You know, it's taken this long. But there's nothing we can do about that. So we'll, we'll, right. we, will, we will change. And, and I think our generation, Steve, is kind of at the forefront of that. The other thing I'll add before we say so long goodbye to, to all of our listeners who, 
who I'm sure are excited for uh, for the weekend ahead, or maybe they'll listen during the weekend and, and enjoying the yard work while they tune in, and we appreciate that. Um, it's, it, to be silent is, is, is not okay either. Um, you, you, you've got to, you've got to stand for what's right. You, you know, you might not want to, you might not feel comfortable posting about it on social media, but the bottom line is you, you've got to have your right, the morals, um, in, in check and, and just not accept racism. I guess that's the whole, and, and, and I know there are a lot of people, Steve, and this is, Maybe we're going down a slippery slope. But there are a lot of people that say that that that'll that'll rebut kind of the Black Lives Matter movement by saying all lives matter. And and here's here's the thing with with that, or at least here's my take when it comes to that is is the black community. They're not saying that that as a, a you know white people that your lives don't matter. That that's not they're not saying that. All they're saying is black lives matter. You know. They know that everybody in this world, everybody's life matters. But for now, because of the injustice that they've faced over the many centuries, uh, that they're, they're trying to they're trying to prove a point, and as they should, black lives do matter. We need to we need to realize, we need to pay attention, we need to listen, we need to stand with them, and support them in any way, shape, or form that we can, and hopefully create a better world because of it. So. Um, but again, you know, the world is facing such traumatic times right now. It's just it, it, right. to try and comprehend what's all going on. It's, it's, we're, we're in the midst of a world pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, there are, there are mass protests taking place across the entire world at the same time. So 2020 has been a wild one, although I think, I, I really am optimistic that by the, time, by the time 2020 is all said and done, the world will be in a better place because of it so uh we'll be clean cross our fingers man yeah i agree and we'll be less racist which is yeah. uh which is very very important steve uh it's a pleasure it always has been always, always will be we'll uh continue to fight for uh for the black people in this world we will stand with them uh we will continue to talk about utah football um and boy are we excited you know last but not least for that byu utah game that is going to be a treat. Uh, you yes. and I are going to be jumping out of our skin as we itch ever so closer towards September 3rd. But until then, we, um, we say so long. But best of luck with your golf game, Steve. Really, honestly, Thanks. truly. Thanks, Tom. I, um, right back at you. Thank you, sir. I'm playing this afternoon. Stripe them well and uh, much love. And uh, we'll be back next week, all right?